You know what isn't smart planning, Jeffrey? What? Having your stadium series marquee game the same time as the marquee events of the NBA All-Star game. You know, NHL scheduling is, uh, they're on point this year, I think, you know? No. Okay, so the reason why you have these stadium series games is like, you want to expand your audience, right? You want to go from the non-traditional markets. That's why you have Colorado and LA and not Toronto and Montreal playing, right? Well, stadium series is only for America. So your uh, your uh, uh, analogy does not work there. Okay, it's not Rangers versus Islanders. No, it's you mean it's not Chicago versus Chicago. There you go. <laughs> But yeah, no, this, uh, you know, like the All Star Game this year for the NHL was all. I know it wasn't the same day as the Pro Bowl, but it was the same weekend. But right? it's different and, though. The Pro Bowl, no one actually cares about the Pro Bowl. <laughs> but I mean, the Stadium Series today on today on this February fifteenth, nice cold Saturday. It, it's not on the same day as the All Star Game. It's just the All Star Weekend. I I get it, but it's like the thing is. In the, a lot of these non-traditional markets, right, you might have baseball or NFL in the summer, fallish, and the winter NBA is dominant, right? In these non-traditional yeah. markets. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to attract these people to watch hockey, to watch a regular season hockey game, when I would say for the casual fan, not a hardcore fan, of basketball, I'd say the dunk contest is a pretty interesting marquee event, right? Because the dunk is, I would argue, is the most exciting part of the game, besides maybe buzzer beaters, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to give these guys free reign to do whatever kind of crazy dunk you can get, you can think of, this is like a marquee, very interesting event for many of these casual fans. And then you have just it's a hockey game that you're playing outside. To the casual fan, that's what they think, right? Like, hey, it's just a hockey. It's another hockey game, but it's outside. And I think for most people, they would say, you know what? The dunk contest happens once a year. A game that happens, like, you know, for someone who doesn't fully understand why Stadium Series is actually such an interesting thing, right? It's just it's just another hockey game. I'll watch one tomorrow. Right? Like, that really, I feel like, just overshines the whole point of the stadium series. That's my first point. And second point, there really hasn't been that much promotion about stadium series this year. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's hard to compare, like, the outdoor games, right? Like, to me, like, the the big promotion is always the Winter Classic. Like, if when you're comparing the three outdoor games every year, like, between the Heritage Classic the stadium series and the winter classic, like the winter classic always is promoted fair, like really, really well. Yeah. But the heritage classic and the stadium series, I think because they're more for like, they're targeted specifically to one country and like literally just one community. It's growing. It's while it's trying to promote to a country, I feel like it ends up being more for the city itself and not actually for the country. So like, that, I'm like a little bit, and it's also kind of weird. Like it's the it's the weekend right after Hockey Day in Canada, so maybe. But it's like this is the American Hockey Day in Canada almost. 
but like, I think it's like I think if it's maybe head to head versus a different, you know, just a different weekend, just a regular hockey game. Yeah, regular basketball game. Apologies. I think the stadium series is a bit of an argument to have here. Like, okay, fine. Like, I get the thinking of what when it's timed, as in, oh, you know, it's a long weekend, both in Canada and the United States. You know, with Canada, multiple provinces having holidays, and the states it's President's Day on Monday, and it's good, it's awesome. But you have to be aware that you're not number one in many of these markets' mind. That's why you have to be a little bit different. And, you know, the, I think that's what they're lacking with here, right? They, like, you just, you're just not aware, which is kind of annoying, to be honest with you. Yeah, like, I, like, I know, like, the, like, hockey to try and get more fans and everything, but also recognizing who you're competing with as well, just making sure, like, you schedule it maybe a little bit differently. Like, like, to me, I mean, like, it's at least it's not on the Sunday with the All-Star game. At least it's the day before and it's still not great. But I mean, like, you could definitely do worse. So All right, uh, don't get me wrong. You can definitely do much worse days. I'm just saying, you know, if you're gonna try to, you know, make it stand out, maybe there are better day better days you could have done. Yeah. But also like I think about it and I'm like when I think about it. The NHL season schedule comes out before the NBA schedule comes out, right? Mm-hmm. Typically. So, I mean, it's not the NHL's fault they schedule the stadium series on the same day as uh, the All-Star. It's maybe NBA just smart. They're like, hey, doesn't matter. We can schedule whatever day we want because we're going to have more viewers in any NHL game. So it really doesn't matter. Like, who cares? Let's schedule the the same day, the Game 7 for each sport on the same day. NBA is not going to care because they know the they'll get the viewership over um, hockey. So, I mean, can we really say it's... Like, maybe the NHL did do it right. Like, you know, like, oh, long weekend, we're going to do here. But then NBA was just like, you know what? Screw the NHL. We want this long weekend for ourselves. But you we'll generally know when these are... When the All-Star game is, though, right? In the NBA. So, like, just don't have it in February. Problem solved. That's true. Yeah, like, maybe put it in... <laughs> It's hard now, right? With the January, like, you're going to have the All-Star game plus those bye weeks. So it's hard to do it in January. Plus, you already got the Winter Classic. So, like, you have to do it in February. You March can do it in, like, November. But that's when they have the Heritage Classic. That's You can you can have it in, you know, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. How awesome would that be? Uh, I I wouldn't know. I, I, I feel like they would want to spread it out. In my opinion, I would want to spread it out. That way you have like more of a long-standing attraction to it instead of just like a one weekend. I guess. You know? Maybe you're right. But, I mean, maybe it's not the NHL. It's just unfortunate, I guess, that the stadium series is not... And it's also, right, it's LA versus Colorado. I mean, one team is like in the upper echelon. The other is in a lower echelon. Yeah, I They're know. really not like... Yeah, it's really like, struggling, it was, I know. They aren't and like, any, was, uh, like the Kings. Yeah, Jane. sorry, they're not on the same level. They really as aren't. The King. But uh, like if it was Colorado, Detroit, I know you don't. I know you don't think rivalries are a thing, but I think a Colorado you know Detroit might don't get me wrong. a little bit more. I think I think you're right in saying I think rivalries are kind of dumb. Yeah, but 
for these type of games, I'm okay with that, to be honest with you. As long as it's not the same rivalry every time, I'm okay with these games being rivalry games. So, look, I think a Colorado-Detroit would have been a better option. Like, LA faced the Ducks, I think, a few years ago already. So, it didn't seem... Like, I know Colorado was due for one for sure, but it could have been nice, maybe, like, a Detroit. But it's also, like, Colorado in the middle. Pardon? They also got the Winter Classic before, so I don't know if Detroit's the right team. I know, but, I mean, Colorado... Like, if you look on a map where Colorado is... It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. You don't have any like regional rivals, so really, like, I mean, you can go for like a division rival. Yeah. But other than that, like, I think Detroit would be like Colorado's current, like, most like realistic or most well-known rival, I guess. So, I I think maybe the matchup is also hard to you know, you know, promote since it's not really a playoff team versus playoff team type of style. It's not. It's still going to be a competitive game. I'm not going to, you know, say bad things about the Kings, but like it's not the same level as, say, I don't know, like a Colorado St. Louis type of game, right? Yeah. So, I think it's it, it's a shame. I think, unfortunately, for the the NHL, that the same series hasn't garnered as much attention. But then again, we were living in Canada. Maybe in the U.S., it's being advertised like crazy, and us Canadians who Ugh. you know are oblivious to everyone else in the world just don't know how important the stadium series is over down south of the border. I can hear some some fans just screaming at the top of their minds, just be like, "You ignorant Canadians! It's all about you all the time." Yeah. Anyway, well, I mean, the stadium series is actually like, you know, the game's actually going on right now while we're recording, so I'm not watching it. But uh, I'm well, on Google also. right now showing like what the score is. Oh, but what are you actually watching? Uh the NBA skills challenge. That's my point. Yeah, so I think I think Austin shows you the clear point. The stadium series maybe needs a little bit more advertising, or just in general, the well, NHL. No, don't get me wrong. Like, I know that it's on today, but it's also yeah. like I, I don't come like head to head. It's just a game. I, yeah, it's just a game to me and. Like most days, I would say I'd rather watch Kings, but hey, man, this is kind of fun. Like you know, the MPs advertised it well, and I don't know, just intrigues me a bit more. Do you find also like the NHL doesn't really advertise those marquee matchups as much as the NBA? Like I, I, I don't want to just compare with the NBA, but I think. I think they're the best example since they run concurrently together. It's hard for the NHL to market it like the NBA. See, like, like if we ever get like, uh, like I'm just trying to think off the top of my head because there's so much parity in the league and you don't have those like two or three super teams, right? Like, how often do would we see like a promo for like Tampa versus St. Louis at 8 p.m. on? NBC or whatever, but like, there's a lot of we regional to... ones. But I think that's yeah. also because the NHL just doesn't get that doesn't really have a national deal to really help them lead them, right? They don't have that ESPN there because yeah. NHL decided to go, nah, we're good and do versus instead. Yeah, but we talked about that, and that was a little mistake there by the NHL. Like, they, I know they have NBC, but like, the thing is, like. When you think of sports in Canada, you have a few options, right? You have your Sportsnet, you have your, you know, your your TSM. But in the states, 
it's ESPN. You know, F- Fox FS1 might tell you differently, but no, it's it's no, <laughs> it's ESPN. Yeah. No, for sure. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's a disappointing. But you know, I'm hoping the same series. You know, I, I guess we'll watch the highlights since we're actually not. See, I'm not watching anything because I'm a. Uh, being a good host to this podcast and, you know, giving my undivided attention kind of to this podcast. But, uh, I apologize. some people, some people prioritize, you know, the NBA over the NHL. I mean, Hey, 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 don't get me wrong. Most games, uh, most other days I'd rather watch the NHL than NBA, but you know, it's a little bit different. And I think this is, it's good. But I mean, I, at the end, I think that's my point though. It's just like, it was it was a poor decision of a uh, of timing, but it's also that I think the NHL has made some mistakes in the past when it comes to media, and it has come back to haunt them. Do you also know what's really poor timing? What this intro. You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. Boo! 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 Bad puns, Jeffrey. Bad transitions. Bad, Jeffrey. Uh, compared to some of your... Well, I mean, okay, it was bad. But, you know, sometimes, you know... We actually have to start the podcast properly, you know? We can't just, you know... I think there was one episode where we didn't even play the intro until like 30 minutes in at one point. I don't know which episode. But, you know, people need to know who we are. We are the Bag of Pucks podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm not angry. I'm just slightly disappointed in you, Jeffrey. Well, maybe you could do the... the, What's it called? The... In, the, no, what's it called? The lead-in into the... And let's start the show proper, shall we? There you <laughs> Yeah, you have your classic. And, you know, we are the Vagapucks podcast. You know, we're on Twitter at BOP underscore pod. And, How do you, you know, spell pod, Jeffrey? P-O-D. Well done. Hey. Was there, was, was there a joke I was missing there? or uh... Nope. I'm just proud of you, Jeffrey. I, I just want you to know I'm proud yeah. of you. Yeah, because, you know, it's important to, you know, f- follow us on, on Twitter because uh, you can always watch out for uh, Olsen's late post about our uh, podcast. It's um, not late. It's timed for our nocturnal listeners. Yeah, for the people living in Europe or um, Asia. Asia. Well, I'd like to say that my strategy here is being executed better than what the NHL's is. Reaching those non-traditional markets, okay? Yeah, I guess. Hire the NHL. I would love to be hired by the NHL, but, you know, I'm happy with my current employer. Not looking to move just yet. Hey, man, uh, I could revolutionize your your marketing, NHL. Or the scheduling, but... That's too much work. (laughs) Twitter is not always the safest place. And I'm going to read a tweet to you. This is posted out by uh, one Mr. Evander Kane of uh, the San Jose Sharks. Before we do that, should we talk about what happened with Evander Kane before we tell them? 
Well, I think maybe the tweet might actually give a little insight into what happened. I think you can kind of guess. So this is a nice tweet. Not really, It's not really a tweet because it's uh, more than 140 characters. So it's a, a so letter. A letter. So I shall read it here. So from Evander Kane's Twitter account. February 15th, 2020 at 2.50 p.m. I'm guessing Eastern, maybe Western. I don't know. The fact that NHL Department of Player Safety, headed by George Peros, continues to pick and choose who and what they suspend is ridiculous. There have been countless inci- oh sorry, there have been countless incidents of the same nature through the season and past seasons that have gone unsuspended or fined. No one person can tell you what is or isn't a suspension in today's game. It's become a complete guess. There is a major lack of consistency with NHL Department of Player Safety. A completely flawed system in so many ways. From the suspensions to appeal rights, it's baffling to me how we as players agreed to this. You can't continue to give some players a pass and throw the book at others. There has to be an outside third party making these decisions to remove the bias that transpires in this department headed by George Peros. None of it makes any sense. So, my first question to you is, did Evander Kane used spell check, and did he run this through his agent? Do you want to hear that from my perspective or a Sharks fan perspective? Let's go. Let's go Sharks perspective. A Sharks fan perspective first. Sharks fan. That's him. oh. So this is what you're gonna hear. You know, he doesn't need spell check. You can understand what he's saying. He shows the passion. All right. This is unacceptable. You know. You look at. You look at. Zidane Chara cross-checking Brennan Gallagher, okay? Two wrongs are two wrongs. Two wrongs don't make a right. And George Peros is clearly influenced by people around him. And this is unacceptable, okay? He should appeal this like Tom Brady did in Deflategate. And we're basically, like, we're basically being prosecuted. Like, it's a witch hunt against us, you know? The NHL just doesn't want us to win. And they're just scared of Jumbo Joe making the Hall of Fame and making George Peros irrelevant again. All right? That is unacceptable. And their bias is why I'm never going to give him another dollar in my life. And you know what? I bet you his agent saw it and was like, you know what? I believe in you. And the fans will be vindicated and they will rescind your playoff. They will rescind your suspension and you will never be suspended again. You will not be hunted down. And if you have another. Suspension, they will wipe you clean. You will become, you will ascend to the gods of hockey and you will not be suspended ever again. All right. <laughs> and let's listen to the awesome perspective. Um, this is exactly how you get hunt, not hunted, but you know, like a special, special, you get special, what's it called? Treatment. And it, and when I mean special treatment, not in a good way. This is how you do it. What do you mean by that here? So next time there's a suspendable hit, and he's supposed to get, you know, one game, he's getting two. Or if it's supposed to be a fine, he's getting one game. This is how you get a target in your back. And, you know, his suggestion of you need an independent person to be there, whatever. That's not happening. The reason why they brought in a guy like George Peros was because of 
how he was respected in the league. You know, he understands the hitting, the fighting, the whatever that part. And he's a Princeton-educated athlete. He's smart. He understands the goonery behind it. And he's a well-respected guy. They're not going to get rid of George Peros because of this. Simple as that. Because if, if they do, the NHL looks no, weak. And-, and you know what? You're just going to have people compa- complain every single time they get suspended. And it kind of ruins the entire system. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting that George Peros is mentioned two times as well. And the Department of Player Safety is only mentioned two times as well. I think, but to me, it seems like Evander Kane is more like angry at George Peros than the actual department. And we know that George Peros is the head of the department, but he's not the only one making the decisions, right? He's got a, you know, a group of people helping him out, right? It's not just one, as he says, it's not, he's saying like no one person can tell you what is or isn't a suspension in today's game. It's true. Not one person. It's a full department that determines whether it's suspension or not. And you've got a problem. Appeal it. Don't don't see well, like only some of the suspensions can be appealed, right? Yeah, you can appeal it. I don't have an issue with with the appeal process. You can appeal it. And you want that independent third party? You've got an independent third party. Simple as that. You have the mechanism in place. Well, no, isn't it like if it's less than five or seven games or something, you can't appeal it or something? Oh, you know what? You're right. You're right, you're right. So so I wonder if he's complaining about that, like he can't appeal. No, but... I feel like he's just complaining that in his comparison, he compared how Chara didn't get, uh, just got fined for cross-checking Gallagher in the neck. And yeah, he should have got suspended. But at the same time, at the end of the day, th- you deserve three games for that. Chara deserved more, th- yeah. more than a fine. Okay, I agree with that. Yes. but. At the end of the day, that's the mechanism in place. And if you disagree, then you disagree with it. Then don't do these dirty plays. For sure. And like, if you think about it, Evander Kane is a repeat offender. Surprisingly, I don't think Zidane Char isn't yeah, has ever been an offender. I think Zidane Char crosses the like. He used to be a bit more of a dirty player, but I think the last couple of years he's really calmed down. I think the age is probably. Making it a bit harder from being a dirty player, but yeah, yeah, I think I don't think he is a repeat offender. Yeah, like I am currently look trying to find something that says he was fine, but I don't see it. So maybe there is a little bit of maybe that's why. I mean, it should have been a suspension for sure, but maybe that's why there was a little bit of leeway, being like, hey, he's forty something years old. Uh, he's always played like this, and you know it's his first time. Maybe we don't suspend him; we find him, and then next time he does something, then he's a suspendable offense, like he's a repeat offender. But Evander Kane here was suspended three games for abusive official this preseason. So I think, like, even though it was a bad hit, but like if you, if this was like another player with no suspension history, maybe to get a game, but because of his uh you know, his uh, suspension history. Maybe that's why he got the three. So this is, I think, part of the maturity process for Evander Kane, you know, the blowback from this. I I think most people would agree that Evander Kane has matured a lot since his 
Winnipeg Jets days where, you know, he had the, what's that called? Um, track suit thrown in the showers. Yeah. I think he's matured a lot, but I think there is still room to grow. And this is part of it. You know, not making yourself a target. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have bias. As long as people are the ones who are determining, determining punishment, you're going to have a bias. People are just inherently biased. And nothing you can really do about it, right? Like, even Evander Kane is biased. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, I think that's just part of the maturity process. And I can tell you right now, next time there's a questionable hit, Evander Kane's going to get the book thrown on him. Because you can't have, as the NHL, you can't have guys openly rebelling about this. You just can't do that. Yeah. And I think my biggest surprise is the fact that this tweet has not been taken down yet. In the four hours that it's been up, it hasn't. Like I know. To be like, honest I don't, with you, at this point, if I'm your, if I'm the agent, I'm just like whatever. Like at this point, you can't. There's like. There's no use. Like, fire, yeah, it's your fire. The fire's burning already. You can't like you know put it out anymore at this point. It's like it's there already. There's no point of actually you know trying to. You do know, people have taken screenshots and everything by now. Like whatever you. There's no point pissing off your client. If it, yeah, like it's not gonna do anything. So, right? so you're just gonna piss off your client. So I think at this point it's like, what can you do right now? So, take it as a lesson. I, I think, think that's a lesson. Just, I think this is where you have guys like Patrick Marleau or Joe Thornton. You know the leadership core and be like, sit them down. Be like, hey, we know you're upset, and I know that's a bullshit call compared to what happened to, um, you know Chara and and whatnot but you just have to learn with them and you you this is the game you play you chose to play yeah for sure and it really makes me wonder how much of how much of a like how did joe pavelski i know like joe pavelski wasn't a captain for long but how much joe pavelski meant to san jose in like seeing how what the record is currently given what evander king just said i wonder if Joe Pavelski was re-signed by the Sharks. It's like one of those big what-ifs. Where would San Jose be right now? Honestly, I don't know. I don't think it'd be much better, to be honest with you. Um, uh, yeah, it's true. It might not mean too much. I mean, definitely they won't have Eric Carlson on their team. But to be honest, I mean, I've said it before. I think we said it before. I really don't think Eric Carlson was the right deal. Like, there was the right free agent signing for them this season. So... Yeah, I think Evander Kane. Well, it's I, a lesson. Just as long as he takes this as a lesson, I'm okay with this. I yeah. can live with this. And whether he'll issue an apology tweet at any point, we'll see. Uh let's not place. I don't want to place bets on this, but uh, I do you believe need, you need a, a leadership guy like Joe Thornton. Really, this is this is where you need a leadership guy to really step in and be like, "Hey, man, like, we get it. You're pissed." But there's different ways to vent your anger, and this was not a right decision. Yeah. Do you think, like, can a player grieve uh, a suspension to the NHLPA instead of a, if they can't appeal it? Can See, they this is weird, though. It? This is where I find it really weird. Like, as the NHLPA, this is a really rough spot you're put in. All right. 
what yeah, are your own guys? The appeal... No, no, but the sense is just like one of your own guys gets hurt, right? So you're supposed to be like, I'm gonna protect him. But then it's like the guy that hurt him is also one of your guys. So who do you protect? Yeah, like the union is representing both the offenders and the victims. Which yeah, so is, what, what do you do? Hard. I think like in. Like, I think because, the, like, all these, like, rules, like, the suspension process, the appeal process, that's already gone through the union. But I think as, like, a union, you still need to, re- like, you can represent the whole, but you also need to speak out for the individual. So I think maybe the NHLPA will take this example to maybe bring up to the NHL about maybe we reduce... The matter but of then, games before you can start. But, but if okay, but there's that. But it's like if you have an issue with that, then it's your way of telling the NHL. You know what? I think we penalized them too much, right? So what you're saying? Yeah. Hey, what's his name? Neil Pionk. We think it's we're on the we're on the Vander Kane side. Well, I'm not saying about like being on the Vander Kane side. But, but if you if like, you start arguing being... that it's not working, then you're kind of saying, "Hey, we're on a Vander Kane side, isn't it?" Well, like I'm, I don't think it's like necessarily like being on it. Like it's not saying like the system's not working. I think it's more being like, "Hey, I have a you know, a member of my union who's not very happy. Is there a way that we can work through this so that you know it looks better in public relations, or maybe think well, the of really public relations is once you pick, once you say, "Hey, we're we're just appealing the suspension on Vander Kane's behalf." When you appeal, you're, it's your way of saying, hey, I don't think that was right. I think that it the suspension was too long. So that's what well, you're saying, hey, that play shouldn't have been a three-game suspension. It should have been a two-game suspension, for example. That's what you're telling Neil Peel and Kitts, you know what? That play is only worth two games, not three games. You know, you're, well, you're, you know what I mean, though, right? Well, the thing is, I'm not talking about appealing because at this point you can't appeal. I'm talking about grievances. So like within a union... What happens is that you might not be able to take action for something, but you grieve it. And if enough grievances pile up, then there's a, either a rule change. So, like, I think that's how the union can step up in the sense of like representing Evander Kane in that sense. But so, like, there's no, I don't think there's any way you're not going to get a reduced sentence or whatever. But if there's enough grievances, you're showing to the NHL, hey, there are multiple clients now or multiple members of my union that are saying that, you know, the suspension, the fine, the Department of Player Safety process is not working out, then that's something that they can fix. But you can't just, you know, post something out like that. I think you need the union to back them up and going through a grieving grievance process instead of the appeal process because you can't appeal it. So the best you can do at this point is you go to the NHLPA and grieve it towards the NHL. Yeah, I think that's a pretty valid point, but so, you know, the suspension is obviously going to hurt um, Evander Kane. It's going to hurt the Sharks. But you know who else is going to hurt? Who? Fantasy owners. Ooh. And, you know, one of, our, one of our sponsors for our podcast is actually a fantasy website, Jeffrey. Is it? Huh. Who are they? Jeffrey, this is your specialty. Who are they? Oh, I thought it was yours. But, um... It's basically the ultimate ultimate uh, franchise uh, fantasy sports, uh, UFF Sports on Twitter. Give them a follow. 
Uh, they just want to remind us they only have one franchise left available for sale. Ooh. So if you don't want to be left out, you should, uh, you know, contact them, make a bid, maybe go become a GM yourself. And like, it's literally like being like playing NHL 20 in real life. And you're not facing against computers, right? You've got 30 other users facing off against you. It's kind of like, I remember when we, me and Olsen were young, we tried playing, um, was it like a GM mode? And we each controlled our own team, but it was kind of hard because I think we just simmed seasons and if trades popped up, we did stuff, but like we didn't actually make trades or anything. It was, it didn't make, really make sense, but I think the ultimate franchise fantasy sports does a really good thing in that it's, it's more robust than what me and Austin tried to do 10 years ago type of thing. Hey so man, NHL 2K9 on the Wii was the bomb. 2K11. 2K11. No, I don't even, was it 2K? It was the last 2K with Ryan Kessler on... Uh, you know what? I, I think we should open it up one day. And just, like, I always loved seeing the players and, like, the ratings back then. And the rated potentials. And see how many did the 2K franchise get right 10 years ago. And how much they got wrong. Because there there, there were some pretty, pretty good... Uh, I remember some pretty funny uh, potentials on there. So maybe we'll open that up one day. But... You know, fantasy-wise, Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. Check them out. All right. And with that, you know, one of the parts of being a franchise owner is that, uh, or running your own franchise, is that when it's not going so well, you uh, have to fire the coach. What's up the side, Jeffrey? Is, is, I think Gerard Gallant's firing for Florida was pretty bad a couple years ago. This Bruce Brujo firing seems almost as bad, I want to say. You, you, what? Really? How come? Why, why do you say that? Like, okay, from what I've read, it was like, they were saying like, it was after the shootout and like, he's walking out of the dressing room and then Bill Guerin, you know, stops him midway and was like, hey, like, We've been thinking about this for a while, and we don't think you're what like a match for whatever. I don't remember what I was saying. And match for our like, systems. Yeah, it's like a weird. This was like a really weird timing. Like the rate, like the Wild were doing well. That's the thing. They were playing well, and he still got fired. And to me, it feels like it was an emotional. We lost four three in the shootout on a bad like shootout like like not fairly in the shootout and it almost feels like the owner Craig Leopold came to Bill Guerin like hey we gotta cut this guy now that was a, like unacceptable even though they were on like a not, not a winning streak but like they were playing well and like they're making up points in the standings so to me I was a little like it's the time he just didn't seem right to me so here's the thing though how how are they doing in the standings? So right now they've got sixty one points in fifty eight games. They've just lost two zero to the Sharks today. Um, they were five four and one, but I want to say that they were like probably like six. Like they had a winning record in their last ten games before uh, he was fired. Let me just double check here. One one two one three one four. Four two five two. 
five three six three. They they've won. They were seven and three basically before that Rangers game. So, like, yes, they haven't had a great season, and they're a rebuilding. They're a retooling slash rebuilding team for sure. But this seemed like a emotional reaction of like emotional firing to me. Here's the thing, though. I don't actually. Yes, I know you lost the game, but I I don't know. I don't blame Boudreaux for a lot of this. Yeah, and that's why I find this it's weird timing. Like, if you look at the team, it's not too much talent. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have much to work with either, right? So it's like, to me, it's just like, why is he being fired now? Yeah. Like, it's not like... It's not like they're hiring a coach out, out, like on the market right now to take over right away because they want to, you know, kind of like with Gerard Gallant and Pete DeBoer, right? Uh, Vegas wanted Pete DeBoer, so then that's why they fired Gerard Gallant. No, they're stuck with the interim like, coach. Yeah, like a lot of yeah. I think like guys like Matt Dumba just aren't performing. <laughs> well, I mean, like he could be having an off year, but last year he was fine with Bruce Boudreaux. Has there been that much of a change? I don't know. Is it possible that Bill Guerin fired him just because, if not, his job was on the line? Well, I mean, Bill Guerin just started, and I know his predecessor didn't last that long, but to me, it seems it's coming from higher above. Like, I, like Bill Guerin is a measured guy, I believe, so I don't think it was necessarily his call. And it, to me, it's just... The timing just does not make sense to me at all. Like he's, I know he's got a couple more years left on his uh contract there, but it to me it would have made sense maybe to fire him in the off season because I don't think their interim coach is their long term answer that they they believe in. So why are you firing Bruce Boudreau unless he's like a bad influence to the young players right now? Which from what we've heard, Bruce Boudreau works well with the younger players, so. I just don't really see the reason why, like now and here. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's and like once again, is it is the reason is Bruce Boudreau being fired because he has a bad goalie, right? I think that team just needs to tear it all down. I get it. You know, Miko Koivu apparently is going to retire this year, end of this year. Yeah. So. Maybe you want to do one more run before he retires. But your team really isn't built for that. Yeah, and like Devin Dubnik is looking more like the Edmonton Devin Dubnik and not the Devin Dubnik of the last five plus years playing in Minnesota. Like when when you look at his like his save percentage with Minnesota, his lowest was last year at a point nine one three. His highest uh goals against average in those last five years was 2.54. This year, he's basically splitting time, and his goals against average of 3.33, and a save percentage of 0.893. Like, this reminds me of the Edmonton Oilers' Dev Dubnik, where he went to like six teams at once, and then ended up in Minnesota one day. It's, it's embarrassing, honestly. You know, and if you're a coach... And you have multiple options. Is this the type of team you'd want to join, right? So it's 
it's gonna be interesting. I think like it just to me timing once again, you know, like the NHL scheduling and our intros, the timing just wasn't right there. And you know, for a team like that, you really need to have an a, a coach. You know, especially when rebuilding, you need a coach that can be an anchor of your organization, Jeffrey. Oh wow! Really? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's terrible. But Jeffrey, do we have an anchor in our organization? I think we do. Can you tell me who this anchor is? I cannot. So you tell me. <laughs> I think we'll let this ad tell me the listeners. And we're back, and I don't have a clever segue to start this next topic. What's our clever topic, Jeffrey? Well, you know, we've talked about a couple of Western teams, so I think we flip it back to Eastern and uh, flip it back to a Canadian team. But, you know, I think we talk about the Leafs too much. So let's talk about the Habs. Oh, finally. At least you admit it. What? That we talk too much? I, I don't think we... Okay, because we're both from Toronto, I think we talk about the Leafs a little bit more. We do talk about the Jets and the Kings because, you know, of Olsen and his fandom. Kings are the, the greatest team known to man. But, you know, we try to... And woman. Yes. And yeah. we try to, you know, accommodate to all our listeners. So I think it's important to talk about the Habs. I think there are... Like, a lot of people have been talking about how interesting they're going to be this trade deadline, right? In a couple of... I guess a week or and a half, right? Or two. It's going to be the trade deadline. And at this point... Are the Montreal Canadiens buyers or sellers? Also, before we talk about that, I've got a question for you. Ah, yeah, I got a question for you before we talk about that. I'm sorry. What's about the Habs? Will we ever? Does it make smart sense to pay your goalie ten and a half million dollars? I know some players, our goalies will will be insistent of it. And I know teams will be willing to pay it, but is it smart cap usage? I will say no. In the sense that goalies don't play 82 games a season. And I think now that we've seen that the difference between uh, like a franchise goalie and a, like an like a NHL caliber goalie, the difference is not that much that it's worth paying between say like two million dollars is what's cost like an NHL caliber goalie to ten and a half million. Like it's kind of to me, it's kind of like baseball, the closer, right? You should not be spending like you know fifteen million. I know the caps are different in baseball, but like, but I'd argue that I'd argue that. On the on the ice on an NHL team, that the goalie is closer to, you know, if you want to take out different sports, he's closer to the quarterback than he is to the closer in baseball. Yes, but I think cap wise, I think you should be looking at in the sense that a closer is just a glorified reliever, and you can find glorified relievers. No, he's your most effective reliever. Yes, but then it changes season by season. So that's why 
that's not necessarily paying for a closer doesn't make sense when you can just pay for a reliever that eventually can become a, a closer and he's just steady. Like I would rather that than just get a, a potential guy who, you know, had a couple of good, really good seasons and, you know, can very easily, you know, just turn back into like a regular reliever type of thing. But the thing is, when you look at these goalies, there's only so many franchise starting goalies, though. Yeah, and the thing is, I think... They don't grow on trees. They don't, but Carey Price, is he... Like, he's clearly not worth his contract now. He was kind of when he signed it, based on his track record. And I think the Canadians right now are definitely regretting what is going on, like, with the, his contract. And especially since they have Caden Primo in the wings right now, like, it just looks like, did they really need to sign Price to that much money, that long of a contract, when they had someone coming up from the system so close? So you would have let, you would have let Carey Price go to free agency? No, I wouldn't have let him go to free agency, but I would have looked at either a shorter-term deal that wouldn't have cost that much, but I mean, but a shorter term deal would have meant a higher, higher cap hit, though, right? A lot of times you lower the cap hit by making a longer term deal. Sometimes, but I mean, like if you also give him the chance to go for like a final payday as well, if it was a short term free agent deal, to let him go for like a longer payday in the future, that was what maybe but that I was... longer payday would would mean that you as an organization would be letting him go, though. You're planning to let him go. Yeah. But like at least like it, it's potentially a more tradable contract, right? Like a four year, a twelve million per contract is easier to trade than an eight year at ten point five per. Was it though? And do you actually think for four, half the term he would only want two million or more a year? Well, okay, I'm looking at his contract right now. So okay, he's a little bit older than what I thought he had been. But like, like this was technically what happened, right? Like he signed a six-year kind of that was his like uh, that was his like free agent contract and then this is like his final payday contract so I yeah. think maybe my maybe it doesn't work from what I just said but more to the point I think it's just like <sighs> the Habs thought that they had a franchise goalie like a uh, Ken Dryden a Patrick Waugh a Jacques Plante uh George I would say Carey Price was up there, man. I would say yeah, they thought Carey that Price they had a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and they thought they had that type of player, but he's starting to drop off earlier than I think what the Habs were expecting. So, and then like, how could Montreal, you plan for that though? I know they couldn't, and like you look at this team right now. Besides the Price contract. And the Weber contract, really, like their books are fairly clean, but those two contracts are massive for them. Those are anchor and, contracts. Yes, anchor contracts. So right now, when we look at the Habs as being buyers or sellers, right? Like technically, they are always going to be. Uh, they they need to continue to compete every time Price and Weber stays under, you know, stays on the team. Yeah, stay on their books, right? But you look at this team, they're like on the brink of the playoffs. 
they're maybe a winning streak away from getting into the playoffs, but there are also so many teams there. They have fairly clean books. Like, they could sell off guys if they wanted to fairly easily. Or they could, you know, actually, you know, buy pieces if they needed to, right? They've got picks. They've got prospects, but which they're not as likely to use. But, you know, they've got movable pieces. So it's I think it's going to be interesting to see where the Habs go with this trade deadline. I, I don't know. What What's your preference? Do you think they're buyers or sellers? I think the fear is you don't want to end up like the Minnesota Wild, where you're kind of in limbo, you're kind of like forever just known as a team that will get in the playoffs, but then we'll do nothing about it, right? Mm-hmm. That's definitely the fear, I think. But I think you have to be sellers, man. As long as you have carry price, uh, sorry, you have to be buyers. As long as you have carry price, I think that type of contract with that type of goal, with how finicky goalies are, you know, he might just snap out of it. And as long as you have that, you think you have to be a buyer. And even though you're a buyer, you have to be a smart buyer. Though you can't be giving up guys like Kane Primo. Yeah, for sure. Don't do not right, like, trade Kane and Primo. That's your wall. Yeah, you need to be smart with your buying. I think you can't be as loosey goosey as you're buying as like a St. Louis Blues or a Boston Bruins. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's easier to be a buyer for them. But for a guy like for teams like Montreal, you have to be very smart and you have to plan well. So, you know, you're able to be a team that makes the playoffs like the Detroit Red Wings did in comparison to the Minnesota Wild making the playoffs. Yes. And I think right now what we're like, what we're looking at to me, maybe it's because of that talk when I, you know, said the Leafs should sell because it's like a very tough like playoff picture. It's going to be out all season. Okay. There's still a chance. (laughs) But to me, I'm looking at this team and like, yes, you got, like you have to be buyers with Carey Price and Shea Weber on your team. But like the more I look at this team and the standing, it's like, I don't see them making much of a push when you've got so many other teams better positioned than you to make the playoffs. Right? Like, Realistically, for the Caps to make the playoffs, you gotta go. You're gonna have to go for a divisional like position, right? That's a wild card. Yeah, wild. No, but like, because of the wild card, it looks like it's going to the Metro, right? Like, yeah, the Metro have what one six teams that have a higher point total than the Leafs, who are holding the third divisional spot at this point, right? So. To me, that's a lot. Like, so you know, the Habs are going to have to try to catch the Leafs, so, and they're seven points behind the Leafs already. You look at their schedule. I mean, it's it's not the hardest schedule because you can beat up on the Wings, you can beat up on the Sens, you can beat up on the Sabers, maybe. But like, it just seems like it's a really tall, tall task. And to me, knowing Mark Bergevin, who, you know, isn't super, super aggressive, he'll like tinker and everything. I don't see him the type to go buying in this stage. So real, what I'm really seeing is, you know, 
they're facing the Stars tonight. But then they have the Wings, then the Capitals, and then they have the Suns. So realistically, they can win two out of the next three games. That might put them in a better position, maybe a bit more clear where they're going to go. But then after that, I think well, it's going to be really it's going to determine where the red uh the Habs go for this trade deadline. But you say they're buyers, I think they're probably going to be sellers at this deadline. I think it may not be a bad idea for the business, but I don't think they can be they are able to be sellers. Yeah, like I like I'm not saying like next three, four years rebuild. No, I'm not saying that. But I think this year might be a year where they can look at selling off assets and then trying again next year and hope for, you know, Shea Weber not being injured and Carey Price returning to form. Have we seen the end of super effective Shea Weber? I think super effective Shea Weber was gone a long time ago. I think effective Shea Weber is still here. Is it the end of effective Shea Weber, though? I think it's uh, the end of healthy Shea Weber. Like, no longer ever hitting 70. But if he's not healthy, how effective can he be? Well, to me, I think effective is, you know, when he's on the ice, right? Like, if he's off the ice, he can't, he's not really effective, right? But, like, I don't care. No, don't, no. I think if you and I got on the, on the ice, we might be healthy, but we're not effective. Yeah. So, like, to me, I think you can't call him whether he's effective or not based on whether he's on or off the ice. So, to me, if Shea Weber is healthy, he's effective. And I think he's still maybe got a couple more years, but I think it's based on his body and when he jumps onto LTIR or Robota Island. Robota Island? What would be the French version, right? There's uh, Manitoulin Island. Robota Island. No. I'm sorry, that was hurtful and rude. It's Lille, I think, is the French term for the island. Lille de Robida. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> And with that, with that, yes. Uh, Do you have any, any things to say besides besides thoughts? that? Anything, any, <laughs> anything else there, Austin, that you want to ruin your career with? Uh, I love y'all, and uh, yeah, give your good loved ones a good hug, and call them because they miss you. Yes, <laughs> and you know, I realize next week is our. Quote, is it? Yeah, quote un un unquote, like one year anniversary. Ah, Jeffrey, so cute. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing next week, but you know, maybe we'll think of something special for. Are gonna surprise me? Oh my god, how romantic! What was it? One year is it one year anniversary paper? I don't know. (laughs) I think it's paper. Are you gonna give me some paper? Are you gonna pay me, Jeffrey? Oh my god, so I will mail you. I don't know what I'll be able to No. We'll, we'll think of something. But yeah, You're you know, so romantic, Jeffrey. But yeah, it's going to be our one-year anniversary next week. I don't think we'll have anything special planned, but we'll try to have something special planned. But uh, yeah, you know, keep listening to us. We enjoy your uh, you guys listening to us talk about the most random things in the world. Uh, yeah. I think that's about it. Love y'all. Thanks for listening to the Bank Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? 
You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.